Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Very Cold Lasagna, your most filthy casual space for the most filthy casual takes on the world of pro wrestling and sports. I am your host, Dylan Lasagna. Welcome to today's episode, episode number one, one, one of this filthy casual show with the icy yet spicy lasagna in that very cold fridge. We're almost at the very end of our NFL season preview month, but there's two more divisions to go. We're going to be covering one of them in this very episode, and that is the AFC East. Who are those four teams? Well, you're about to find out in a second. But, man, I can't believe we're almost at the end. It's it's unsurreal. It, it's just, we were starting at the very beginning of the month with my 49ers and the NFC West, and here we are just... A couple days later, a couple weeks later, with the AFC East, and then later this week will be the AFC West. Holy hell, that's insane! That is insane. Thirty-two teams in thirty-one days. That's that's wild. That's pretty wild. And training camp starts this week too. So, hey, maybe there's some interesting training camp battles that you know I can touch on. But who knows what will happen? So anyway. I'm excited. I hope you are. And I do appreciate the support. I do appreciate you, all of you, whether you're, you're old or new, that have been checking out all the NFL season previews that I've been posting here on Very Cold Lasagna. So I do appreciate the support. And if you want to leave your own takes on my my takes on your team or any topics that I talk about here on Very Cold Lasagna, you can most certainly do so on YouTube or on social media at Very Cold Lasagna. And I might, I'm going to do something new here on this show, on this particular episode that I could do going forward depending on how you guys feel about it. And that is bringing up a certain, like certain takes that you guys have. And I'm going to start with this episode with a comment made by slow to roll And he commented about, you know, my particular, com- my particular takes on the Houston Texans and whether or not, you know, what what's their plan? Like, what what's what's their issue? What like what did they want to do in 2022? So, so slow to roll on YouTube. He he commented, and I appreciate it. By the way, I appreciate his his own opinion, his own take on the matter. And here's here's what I'm going to respond to. So he says, and I quote: The Texans have their starting quarterback in Davis Mills in head-to-head competition last season. He outplayed Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, Ryan Tannehill, and Trey Lance. What more would you like him to do? This was this without this year's additions to the starting lineup of Laramie Tunzel, AJ Can, Kenyon Green, Marlon Mack, and Andy Janovich, along with Damian Pierce on offense. End quote. So first of all, Laramie Tunzel was, I believe, was already on the Houston Texans. So he was already on the off- part of the offensive line. Um, AJ Can. Like, we don't know what to expect from him in terms of his contributions for the um, the offensive line. Marlon Mack, I, he was a solid running back for Indianapolis, as I mentioned in my season preview. So, who knows how he pans out. Damian Pierce, I, I agree that he shouldn't be slept on. But, under, like, like I said, these are just preseason previews. Like, when you get to the regular season, when they actually start playing... You have something to prove. Like, just because, like, oh, I, I say a bunch of crap <laughs> before the season starts, doesn't automatically translate. Doesn't automatically translate. They instantly prove me wrong or prove me right. 
or maybe neither, none of those things happen. So to answer your questions, what more would I like Davis Mills to do? Personally, just prove me wrong. Just prove me wrong that with the shit sandwich that the Texans provided him, because there's honestly still no help that Davis Mills is getting. He's doing all he can, and he probably is going to continue to do so with a middling offensive line and a receiving cast that's not really going to do well, especially with the fact that he's going to be missing John Mechie III. Yes, he is, because news just broke that, um, God bless him, he, he got diagnosed with leukemia. And for all my wrestling fans out there, with in regards to Roman Reigns, um, it's a tough. It's gonna be a rough, uh, tough battle. But I know he'll overcome that. So hopefully, jo- uh, John Menchie the Third overcomes and puts leukemia in remission. So hopefully he does well, recovers. Praying for that. But that's a another weapon that's basically gone for Davis Mills until Mechie comes back, whenever that may be, if at all this season. So for the Houston Texans, um, what more would I like Davis Mills to do? Just prove me wrong. That's simple as that. So basically, that's his take, and that was my response. So if you'd like me to respond to your takes on the air, on, on on a podcast, hey, just leave a reply to any of the clips, any of the podcasts, full episodes, or on social media, however you may want to. Hey, I'm 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 an open man. Like I I like to see everyone's opinions. I'm respectful of them. And hopefully you'll also be respectful of mine. But hey, I honestly don't care. <laughs> so anyway, let's talk about the AFC East. It's gonna be an interesting ride. For twenty for twenty twenty two, when it comes to this division, because for the last two years, it's been pretty much the Buffalo Bills and their their rise to the the top of the AFC East and one of the premier teams in the NFL, led by Josh Allen and that receiving core of Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, Dawson Knox. Now you you add in a a, out, a linebacker in Von Miller to help out in the defense. And then around around in that division, you still have Mac Jones in New England, and Bill Belichick is there as well. And then in Miami, you get Tyreek Hill, and you improve that offensive line. And in, in the New York Jets, like you got a young, bright quarterback in Zach Wilson, a good defensive mind in Robert Sala. So while this division is very young, it's it's going to, I believe it's going to be very competitive. Yes, we can say all we want about the Jets and how they still have some things to work on. They're going, to, I believe they could be very competitive. Miami still has some questions about their quarterback. New England has their questions about themselves too. The Bills, they've been there. They've done that. Now all they have to do is figure out how can they get to the next step, which we'll discuss about. So for the AFC East, it's going to be a wild ride this season. And as we go through each team, it's it's going to be like a question of who's going to ha- have this amount of wins and who's going to be as competitive as they can. And honestly, this is one of the most intriguing yet 
competitive divisions that I could possibly foresee in 2022. So that being said, let's discuss about it. So let's go gang green first as we go to the green side of New York to take a look at the New York Jets. In 2021, it was not very good for Robert Sala's first year rebuilding the New York Jets because they were pretty young and they got hammered for much of the season. But they showed promise. They showed promise in his first year as a head coach of the New York of the Jets. Uh, Zach Wilson, the rookie quarterback who got picked number two overall, um, he was not the brightest. He he committed a lot of turnovers. Um, he was slow processing uh, defenses, slow getting the ball out, but he flashed a lot of mobility. And then eventually, he got he got that sling. He got that that slinger of an arm to to go a little bit faster um, later in the season. So there are some encouraging encouraging things from Zach Wilson um, late in the season. Then you got upset victories, early ones against the Tennessee Titans and the Cincinnati Bengals, two teams that were eventually in the playoffs. And then there were things like a very uh, stronger offensive line, a solid receiving core, and a pass rush, all of which looked encouraging to build upon as you went into year two of, of their rebuild. So for the New York Jets, I mean, playoffs are a little, like a little too unrealistic, but not out of the picture for for Gang Green, but if you're the New York Jets, if you're part of Gang Green, your top goal for 2022 should be to show some quality improvement. Go from, you know, we're a shitty team to a not so shitty team, but we're at least get we're at least improving. You're showing some consistent improvement. So you're not looking at playoffs yet, but you want to show that. Your, your fan base that you're you're ready to compete the, the next year. So looking at some of their off-season off moves, you re-sign guys like Braxton Berrios, their, their return man and receiver, who was, who was pretty solid, but not great. And free safety LaMarcus Joyner, who was kind of key in their defense. And then looking at some of their additions, a key piece in, in their offensive line is now going to be guard Lakin Tomlinson from the San Francisco 49ers, who Robert Sala is familiar with. Morgan Moses, the right tackle from the Baltimore Ravens. Safety DJ Reed from the Seattle Seahawks, so another key element in their defense. Tight end CJ Uzama from the Cincinnati Bengals, so he he adds a missing middle piece that Zach Wilson was missing in 2021. Uh, Jordan Whitehead from the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, now you got a proven uh, winning safety from a Super Bowl winning team going to New York. Um, Jake Martin, an outside linebacker from the Houston Texans. So overall, the defense and the depth is there for for New York. Um, they did lose Marcus May to the New, York, to the New Orleans Saints. But then again, you replaced him with Jordan Whitehead and DJ Reed. So not a big loss. You also uh, left Laurent Duvernay Tardif unsigned. But again, you already have Lincoln Tomlinson. So no big deal. So in the draft is where the New York Jets did their dirty work. That's where they committed their big work. And with their top pick, I think it was like, if I remember correctly, it was third or fourth overall um, from April. They picked Ahmad Sauce Gardner. They got the sauce. They they got, I think, will be one of the best corners in the NFL in years to come because of his speed, his versatility. And Ahmad Gardner 
it was a really good pickup for the New York Jets. Who desperately uh, improves the sec improves the secondary. Um, with their tenth pick, they also got a receiver by the name of Garrett Wilson, and later on, they also in the second round they got tight end Jeremy Ruckert, both from Ohio State, and they got a running back by the name of Brees Hall in the later rounds in from Iowa State. So for the New York Jets, their dead their dead last defense from twenty twenty one vastly improved, vastly improved. They upgraded in the secondary by getting a proven commodity in Jordan Whitehead in in the middle of the second in the middle of the secondary, and then they added the Sauce and Sauce Gardner to line up up opposite of their up and coming corner Michael Carter, who was pretty good in 2021. So they really did well to address their biggest area of weakness in, in the last season. They also got a good job in addressing the pass rush, getting Vinnie Curry and Quinn Williams uh, lots of help, drafting Jermaine Johnson, and then you're also getting Carl Lawson, who you signed in, in the last offseason, but he got injured with the torn Achilles. And then on the offensive side, um, you you upgraded your receiving core too. You know, Corey Davis, Elijah, Elijah Moore, pretty capable. Braxton Berrios is a good uh, depth piece. And you bring in CJ Uzama and Garrett Wilson. And now all you need to, to worry about now is how is Zach Wilson gonna do in year two? How is this how was his offseason training? How was his full offseason going to pan out now that he's had a pretty much a full year of experience and a full offseason to prepare the Jets for a potential, you know, all possibly all green gang green breakout in 2022. So looking at some of their key games um this this coming season ah man it's pretty much every game before that bye week in week 10. It's every single game. When you're looking at the first four weeks, it's against the entire AFC North. The Steelers, the Ravens, the Browns, the the Bengals, I would say you would have to worry about at least three of those four teams in in the first in the first four weeks, especially when you open up at home against Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. You better be ready. You better be ready to at least try to stay close with them, or if you want to try to pull off an upset. And then you get a home date after that slate against the Miami Dolphins with Tua, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. Their first division matchup. That Dan. And then right after that, you go to Green Bay to face the Packers. Then you go to Denver to face Russell Wilson and the Broncos. That offense, that defense, my God. Then then that slate continues. You you return home to face the Patriots, who are no slouch, and then you face the Bills back to back at home. That's a very rough stretch. They have the hardest stretch out of all the four teams in the AFC East. Man, that, that's 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 bad. That's really bad for the New York Jets. But I think the biggest question of all is like, how is Zach Wilson going to do? Is he going to be able to process defenses faster? Is he going to be able to get that ball out fast, quicker to his receivers? Is Robert Sala going to 
be able to translate what he's done, what was given to him in the offseason, defensive-wise, and trans and translate that to the on-the-field product. I think those two things are going to be key for the Jets to succeed in 2022. And those first three weeks are going to be in, indictful of that. So for the New York Jets, I mean, they improved the roster most definitely in, in this this past offseason. Now, can they translate that on the field? Can Zach Wilson make that leap in year two? That remains to be seen. If if they does, maybe I could see the Jets winning eight games. Most, but I mean, they're not a playoff team yet. But I can see them winning eight games because, you know, I, I see a lot of potential in them. But worst case, maybe five or six wins. They they at least wit, improve on their win total. But for the New York Jets to succeed this season, they have to show some tangible improvement. They have to at least consist, consistently show to their fan base and to the NFL that they're here to win. They're, they're going to be a young, rising team that can compete in the years to come. We're going to take our talents to South Beach and go to Miami to talk about the Dolphins. And I am one of those people that are kind of intrigued. One of the many people that are kind of intrigued on this, how just how this team is going to do in 2022, because it could go one of many ways for Miami. And that a lot of it has to do with their quarterback, Tua Tugaviola. When you look at their 2021 season, it, it was a tale of two. Tale as old as time, as you know, they like to say in Beauty and the Beast. They countered a one and seven start. Primarily, a lot of that had to do with a terrible defense and a terrible offensive line, and two again hurt. And then they all of a sudden the defense gets really good um, in the back half of the season. Tua starts playing okay, and then they finish the season eight and one. The only loss they had was the blowout to the Tennessee Titans that got them eliminated from playoff contention um, before the season finale against the Patriots. But they benefited from a very good defense, a very good defense and a generous schedule. Um, until again, that loss to the Tennessee Titans. So Brian Flores at the end of the season, their former head coach was fired at the three seasons to the surprise of many. And then he later sued the NFL for wrongful, wrongful tournament termination and then was replaced by then 49ers offensive coordinator, who some of you may know by the name of Mike McDaniel, who has been with Kyle Shanahan for many, many years. For me, he seems like he's like an unknown yet, but yet chill guy to be around. He, he looks, he definitely looks really, really, very chill. He has a very good personality from what I've seen in interviews. And hopefully he's the right fit for Miami in the right fit for Tua for what he's for what um, Dolphins ownership is looking for. Now, speaking of Tua, that is the Dolphins' goal for 2022. Tua Tagovailoa has to show this organization that he he is their quarterback because for the last two seasons he hasn't shown that he has, he hasn't shown that yet. 2020 was a little understandable because well Brian Flores was fucking up the quarterback situation in 2021. Well. I don't know what happened there. I really don't know what happened there. So 2022, basically when everything happened this off season, there's just like with Jalen hurts. There is no more excuses for Tua Tagovailoa to fail. 
Absolutely none. Unless if injuries, yes, understandable. But other than that, there are absolutely no excuses for this Dolphins team, especially Tua, to fail. So looking at some of their key offseason moves, you re-signed Xavier Howard on defense. Emmanuel Ogba, two key pieces on from last year's very good defense. You franchise tag Mike Kosicki. Who knows if he's going to actually want to play under that franchise tag. And then looking at some of their additions, obviously the biggest one is from Can- from the Kansas City Chiefs, Tyreek Hill. You pay you pay this massive haul. You give away your, your first, second, fourth round pick in this year's draft, as well as a fourth and sixth in 2023. To go and get another weapon in that offense for Tua and another weapon opposite Jalen Waddle and Mike Gazicki. And also, they had Cedric Wilson in free agency, so that's another weapon in that offense. So, adding Tyree Kill adds a lot of speed in this offense, but it also creates a lot of questions. So, I, I like this move by the Dolphins, but it also it just creates a lot of questions. But what doesn't create a lot of questions is the offensive line, because they went out, got Toronto Armstead from the New Orleans Saints, so they got a tackle that can protect Tua's blind side. They also got center Carter Williams from the Dallas Cowboys, as well as, as I mentioned, receiver Cedric Wilson. So the running backs was a question mark in for Miami, and they definitely answered it with Raheem Mostert and Chase Edmonds from the San Francisco 49ers and Cardinals, respectively. Um, they also got Teddy Bridgewater from the Denver Broncos, just as insurance for just in case Tua gets hurt again. They also helped, got help in the pass rush with Melvin Ingram from the Kansas City Chiefs. So they didn't lose too many names notable. So they only lost Jacoby Brissett to the Browns and tackled Jesse Davis to the Vikings. And because of trading away their picks for Tyreek Hill, they couldn't make that much noise in the draft or address many of their needs. So all they can get was Georgia inside linebacker Tennington Dahl, who knows if he pans out. And Texas Tech receiver Eric Ezukanam. So another death piece in the offense. So Miami, they're going all in. They're basically going all in on Tua Tagovailoa this season. But he has to prove that he's also all in. He has to he has to process the defense faster. He has to sling that arm faster. He has to he's get, get the ball out quicker. He's got to make less mistakes. He He's going to benefit from a better offensive line than what he's been provided with with the, the last two years. So the Dolphins invested in this offensive line. They traded away many picks just to get Tyreek Hill. So now Tua has to put in the remaining work in training camp in preseason to prove that come week one against the New England Patriots, at home, mind you, he is also all in on the Dolphins being his team. It's 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 gotta be hit, it's gotta be this year that he proves that the Dolphins can commit to him long term, because otherwise, Miami can be looking towards the draft next year and shipping out Tua to somebody else that can just be somebody else's backup. Now there are a little bit of questions about the Miami Dolphins offensive line because yeah, you have Teron Armstead who's going to be playing a, 
uh, left or right tackle. You have a center in Connor Williams. They just need to figure out who's going to be playing the guard spot, um, who, especially in the interior, because you already have Austin Jackson, who's pretty good um, at right tackle, but who's going to be at the guard spots? Hopefully they figured it out at train camp. So looking at some of their key games in 2022, it's the pretty much the first month of the season. Like I said, they're playing the New England Patriots at home to start the season, a division game to kick off your season. And then two weeks later, week three against the Buffalo Bills, going to be hot as hell, <laughs> humid as hell um, when you play New England in Buffalo. Then you go to Baltimore to play Lamar Jackson in week two. And then weeks four to five, you go to Cincinnati and go to New York to play the Jets. That Cincinnati game is a short turnaround from the Bills game on a Thursday night. So not much uh, rest there for the weary. So that first month is going to be like a limits test. And there might be a little bit of growing pains for that Miami uh, offense, which will be fine. But at some point, you got to settle in. If you're Tua, if you're Mike McDaniel, you got to settle in at some point. And then... Late in the season, if you're in playoff contention by that point, if you're competing for a wild spot or somehow, some way, you you suddenly are in contention against the Buffalo Bills for that AFC East title, this could be interesting. Weeks 13 to 15, it's a gauntlet. It's a three-road gauntlet against the San Francisco 49ers, the LA Chargers, and the Buffalo Bills in a rematch in Buffalo. And that Bills game, it, depending on where the Dolphins are, could decide the AFC East. So, the, it's no easy pickings for um, the Miami Dolphins. So, some of the biggest questions and concerns for Miami this uh, coming season is, one of them is really is a Tyree kill. How does he adjust to life um, going from one of the best quarterbacks in the league, Patrick Mahomes, to a, a solid but a not-yet-proven quarterback in Tua Tagovailoa. Because Mahomes in that Chiefs offense was all about speed. Um, it's all about stretching the field, spreading the ball around. It's, it's kind of almost the same here, except without the speed yet. So how does Tyreek Hill um, fully adjust to Tua um, throughout the season? And we'll, we'll find that out soon enough. Speaking of spread the ball around, how are you going to equally distribute that uh, that ball, how are you going to equally distribute the targets between Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, Cedric Wilson, and Mike Kosicki um, if you're Mike McDaniel? So how else two are going to do that? So that's going to be an interesting like decision that th- they're going to have to come upon before that Patriots game. So that's that remains to be seen. But overall, I do like the um, outlook for this Miami Dolphins team. It's just a lot of it is going to come down to how is Tua going to do this coming season? It's Tua time this fall, and it's it's his time to prove that Miami is all in on him. And I'm projecting that they either win 9 to 11 games um, this coming season. Maybe they could be a playoff contender. Maybe at um, it maybe at not at 10 or 11 wins whether it's a wild card or they could win nine games, but like just like last season, miss out on the playoffs. Either way, it's to us time to take control of this team. 
So the next team we're going to be talking about is the previous dynasty that dominated the NFL, but they're once again finding their footing, and that is the New England Patriots. Yeah, the Death Star has been destroyed, and they're building from the ground up yet again. And instead, they're building some, they're they're cooking some mac and cheese down in Foxborough. But looking at things, I don't know. Something tells me that it feels a little moldy. That mac and cheese tastes a little gross. But looking at the 2021 season for the New England Patriots, they ushered in a new era of Patriots football. 2020 was not kind to them at all. It was the post-Brady era, the first first year without Tom Brady, who took his talents to, to Tampa Bay and won a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Meanwhile, for New England, not a great year for Bill Belichick and his litany of quarterbacks. They went 7-9 and missed the playoffs, and they pretty much spent all their money in the offseason. And in that 2021 draft, with the 15th pick, got Mac Jones from Alabama. So, think of Mac Jones like Jimmy G, pretty much in the pocket. Um, got a nice arm, but not too much of a mobile quarterback until they proved me wrong um, in this season. So, in 2021, the Mac Jones era was pretty much off to a shaky start. They went 2-4, and four, but they... They win six straight. They go on this eight and, eight and three streak to end the season. Um, Mac Jones shows some solid flashes of improvement. Um, he made he still made some rookie mistakes, but he was pretty solid. And the defense played pretty well. But then things got pretty bad after the bye week. They lose the last four of their five, including some critical games to the Colts and the, the Bills. And they lost out on a chance to steal the AFC East from Buffalo. And when it came time sure you you clinch a wild card berth after missing the playoffs entirely the previous year yes you get that playoff berth but now you got to play on the road against the buffalo bills instead of the other way around so you have to go on the road in a three match against the bills where you upset them earlier in the season and you get your asses whooped you completely get your asses whooped in prime time ow ow <laughs> so not exactly the greatest way to end the season for New England. But you had a you had a young quarterback who showed promise in 2021. You still have one of the best coaches in the NFL. And you had a good defense. So 2022 showed some some promise. And if you're the New England Patriots, you you still have Bill Belichick. You're you're pretty much looking for Max Jones to take that next leap. You want him to be even better going into this coming fall. And looking at some of their offseason moves, I don't really know if they're going to make that um, make that next step. Sure, they re-signed um, linebacker Jawan Bentley, um, running back James White, receiver Jacoby Myers, right tackle Trent Brown, uh, free safety Devin McCourty, uh, Kicker Nick Folk. So basically, um, so basically the offensive line is still kind of intact, and the defense will still be uh just as good as it was in 2021. Um, they got a stable kicker in kick Nick Folk, but they didn't really uh, compared to last offseason, they didn't they couldn't really do much um because they spent all that money, money, money. Yeah, yeah. And then on the 
like in, in free agency, they committed on the defensive end. They they got Jabril Peppers from the New York Giants. And they reunited with Malcolm Butler for whatever reason. But then they lost a lot of key players. Like like really good key players um in free agency. They lo- they lost their best corner in JC Jackson to the LA Chargers. They also lost Kyle Van Noy, their inside linebacker. They also lost their top center in Ted Karras to the Cincinnati Bengals, as well as guard Shaq Mason, who oddly got traded to the Tampa Bay Bucks. So they basically gave Tom Brady his old running mate back. Um, they also lost uh, offensive coordinator. I think this is going to be a big hit to Mac Jones. They also lost Josh McDaniels to the Raiders because he went and accepted the head coaching job. So for the Patriots, these losses could really hinder the offense more likely than not. Um, the defense will be okay, but I think the, the offense could take a, a big hit in 2022. Not because of Mac Jones, but I feel like the talent around him. Looking at some of their draft picks, I know people were going to bash the the first the first pick uh, that they had in round one, um, and that was Chattanooga guard Cold Strange. And, yeah, he could have been picked in the second round. But, I mean, Belichick does okay with um, the offensive line, so I'm not going to be too hard on it. They also got a receiver from Baylor, Tyquan Thorin, and they pretty much focused on defense from there on out. So that was some of their key draft picks. So if you're New England, there are a couple of pressing issues. Do I believe that they can still try to compete for a playoff spot? Sure, why not? But you have questions about your receiving game besides Kendrick Bourne because I think he was the best receiver in their offense and he had the best chemistry with Mac Jones. I mean, they did get Devontae Parker from the Miami Dolphins because, well, Miami Miami pretty much made him expendable after they acquired Tyree Kill and Cedric Wilson, and they already had Jalen Waddle and Mike Kosicki, so there's not really much room for Devontae Parker. I just questioned the decision to give him to a division rival. But the problem is with Devontae Parker is that he hasn't been able to stay healthy consistently, played at least most of the season for the last couple of years. And with their own crop of talent, Nelson Aguilar and Jacoby Myers were okay, but they they haven't really connected well with Mac Jones last season. And the fact that since Rob Gotkowski went to Tampa Bay and eventually retired after two seasons, he there has been no top tight end in New England between Hunter Henry and John Wu Smith, yet they spent a shit ton of money on that position. And the offensive line, there's still a couple of questions about uh, certain spots, like the left tackle, center, the other guard spot. Um, who, like, who's gonna who's gonna start there? Who's gonna be in the rotation? I feel like this offensive line is gonna take a small hit, but. Hopefully not too much of a hit that Mac Jones is going to be running for his life every time. But we'll see. Looking at some of their key games in 2022, obviously it's the first one in Miami against the Miami Dolphins. You're going to be tested very early um, against Tua. And that Dolphins team could be experiencing some growing pains, but so could uh, the Patriots um, with their lack their lack of uh, additions or their losses 
on offense. So it's going to be a big test for Mac Jones against what could be on paper an improved Dolphins team. Then you play the Baltimore Ravens at home against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens who are going to be gunning to, to prove that last year they were hurt. They're back for revenge. Then you go uh, play Indianapolis at home a couple weeks later, a potential revenge game from last year against Matt Ryan, who, well, the Colts were technically with Carson Wentz, but this year it's Matt Ryan. And then week 12 game against the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota on Thanksgiving, the, the nightcapper. That, that could be a crucial game, depending on where you are. Week 13 can also be crucial uh, when you host the Buffalo Bills on a Thursday night uh, after Thanksgiving. Um, and that could likely determine like whether or not you have a chance against you know, the Bills, the Dolphins, or hell, even the Jets in in, a, in the AFC East race or the, the playoff race. So going into this season, you have to wonder how Mac Jones is really going to do. He lost his offensive coordinator in Josh McDaniels. He didn't really get too much help with uh, the receiving game, and he lost a couple pieces in the offensive line. So how much is how much help is he really getting? Like at the end of the day, how much help is Bill Belichick really giving him? When you think about it, and I just hope that with Mac Jones, you know he gets a chance to succeed in this offense. But they gotta give it to him. They gotta give him some help. And I I worry a little bit about that defense, but not too much, because well they lost a couple of players like J C Jackson, but you know maybe they'll be okay. Maybe we'll be okay. So for the New England Patriots, I think that they're still they're still a a good team, but they might those losses in the offseason might be a little bit hard to overcome. Um, it, the the talent level might not be as good as it was in twenty twenty one. The defense should be okay, but for the offense, like they didn't really provide Mac Jones too much help. So maybe. Their best case scenario is nine wins, at worst six. Yes, I'm being a little harsh, but just look what Bill Belichick didn't provide him. Mac Mac Jones has almost no prove no proven help. So for New England, you also have a rough a little bit of a rough schedule. So for the Patriots, you're taking a little step back, and who knows if it hurts you in the end. So, of course, you can't end an AFC East preview without talking about the two-time, two-time AFC East defending champions, and that is the Buffalo Bills. And the big question on everyone's mind is, can they finally do it? Can they finally get over the hump? And what hump am I talking about exactly? Well, we got to look back at these last two seasons. You look at the meteoric rise that quarterback Josh Allen and these Buffalo Bills have encountered in 2020 and 2021 seasons. And in 2020, they went to the AFC Championship game. And they, they were a little inexperienced. And they got a little hammered against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in that game. And then they went on in 2021, built on that momentum. And yes, they went through a little midseason oddity um, as a whole. But late in the season, Josh Allen put on some good performances, and so did that uh, defense despite losing Tredavious White, um, their corner, in the final few games of the, the regular season. And the Bills clinched the AFC East for the second straight season. And to cap 
off what could have been a really good season for them in that in that first round playoff game against the New England Patriots at home, they completely whacked them. They completely embarrassed them in a primetime wildcard game. So, boy mama. <laughs> but unfortunately for them, just like in the AFC title game in the second round, mind you, they just fell a little short, actually very short, um, to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs again in the second round in in the heartbreaker, in an all-time classic to um, Mahomes and the Chiefs. So you're going into 2022, if you're the Buffalo Bills, trying to figure out how do we get over that hump? How do we finally get Josh Allen to an AC championship game that he that we that they can win, that they can at least host, and we can finally get the Bills to the Super Bowl for the first time since the 1990s. Well, that's that's probably going to be your goal again in 2022. Get Josh Allen to reach his first ever Super Bowl, and he can't do it alone because a lot of the times in 2021 he was practically doing it by himself. He was practically winning games on his damn own. So for the Buffalo Bills, I mentioned this in my season recap, you had to get them some help, especially on defense. So looking at some of their re-signings, looking at some of their extensions, you re-signed Stephon Diggs. You re-signed Mitch Morse. You re-signed strong safety Micah Hyde and receiver Isaiah McKenzie. So a lot of key pieces that were signed or re-signed in the offseason to keep that core intact. And... The off the additions, the offseason additions ended up being pretty key in order for the Bills to potentially finally making that run at, at a Super Bowl appearance. The biggest one being on defense when they added Von Miller from the Super Bowl winning LA Rams. Um the, the, you could question the contract all you want, but they're adding a two-time Super Bowl champion, a former Super Bowl MVP, edge rusher, in Von Miller. To, to go along with in that pass rush to really help them in that area. And in the offensive line, where they also struggled in that divisional game against the Chiefs, they added guards Roger Saffold and Dazen Questenberry for the Tennessee Titans. Um, they also got some defensive tackles for the pass rush in Tim Settle and Daquan Jones. Um, they also got a backup tight end to help out Dawson Knox and O.J. Howard. And a little bit of a surpri- uh, surprise move, um, but... A good one at that. A receiver by the name of Jason Jamison Crowder from the New York Jets. A death piece for that offense behind Stephon Diggs, uh, Gabriel Davis, Isaiah McKenzie. So pretty solid move by the, the Bills there. Uh, fortunately, they lost uh, one of their key corners in that secondary, Levi Wallace, to the Steelers. And they also lost their MVP, the Nickelodeon Valuable Player backup quarterback in Mitch Trubisky to the Steelers as well. So... Count that what you will. Uh, they also lost uh, Mario Addison to the Texans and Vernon Butler to the Raiders. They're two defensive tackles in that rotation. Um, they also lost guard John Feliciano to the New York Giants. But, I mean, you already added Roger Saffold, so not going to hurt them much. So looking at some of their draft picks, they focused in on defense. And when their first pick in the first round went went in, and they got Florida corner Kair Elam, I thought he was a pretty solid pick, but he can tend to lapse in defense a little bit. So the, the hopefully the Bills and Sean McDermott can 
can develop him and turn him into a pretty good corner. So for the Bills, they did good to improve in the pass rush and the offensive line. And hopefully that defense can really, really stop teams on third down this coming season and give Josh Allen more opportunities to, to score and prevent other teams from scoring. They also did a decent job in adding backup depth to certain positions. Did I mention already about uh, Jamison Crowder um, being added as a receiver uh, depth piece? I mean, damn. And also, I forgot to mention that um, a running back by the name of James Cook, Dalvin Cook's brother, got drafted from Georgia. And this could be a this could be a X factor, like a sleeper uh, pick from them because. They don't have, like the Bills running back room was like not great in 2021, which is why you saw Josh Allen run a lot. So picking a a running back by the name of, of Cook, uh, James Cook, um, he was pretty good in college. So who knows if he pans out? And if he if he does pan out, maybe it finally gives uh, Josh Allen a little less <laughs> reliance to run so damn much. Um, like he did in 2021. So looking at some of their key games in 2022 for the Buffalo Bills, because you want to make that run. You want to make finally make that Super Bowl for Josh Allen. You start in Los Angeles against the reigning, defending, undisputed Super Bowl champions in the LA Rams. An opportunity to, to upset the defending Super Bowl champs on opening night. Then you come home on a Monday night to face the Tennessee Titans. And then, of course, the Week 6 game against the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City, a rematch of that epic divisional game, a chance, another chance of revenge in the regular season. But when it matters most, we'll see what happens. And then late in the season, when you're most likely going to be in contention for the AFC East title, you have to go play in New England after Thanksgiving on a Thursday night. Um, you know, Foxborough, Always a tough place to play, but for the Bills, it's been no problem for them. But it depends where they are at in the season. And then the second to last week of the season, you're playing in Cincinnati. Um, who knows where both teams are at by that point in the stage. Cincinnati can be competing for a playoff spot, or they could be looking to clinch the AFC North division title like they were that point in last year. For the Bills, they could already have the AFC East locked up, or they're trying to clinch it, or maybe they're going for the top seed in the AFC. Who knows what they're going for by that point. So for the Bills, obviously Josh Allen is one of the most elite quarterbacks in in today's NFL. Like we are like will we see his ascent continue? We'll see. Like we like we know it it's a possibility. Um as for their defense, can can these additions of Kair Alam, the drafting of him and the signing a big fat signing of Von Miller. Can they finally better this Bills so-called dominant defense? You know, the one that kept getting, that was so good in the regular season, yet they got gashed by the Chiefs in that divisional game. How will that pan out? How will that pan out? So if you're looking at the Buffalo Bills in 2021, they're likely to repeat as AFC champions again. Um, everything has to fall into place. They can't slack off like they did at the middling portion, the mid portion of the season. Um, if you really want Josh Allen 
to make his first ever Super Bowl appearance, every side of the ball has to matter, especially on defense. Because if you can't stop uh, opposing offenses on third down, you're making Josh Allen do even more work than he did in 2021. I do project, I do think that this team can win 11 to 13 games this season because Josh Allen's that damn good. But a lot of a lot of this season has to come down to the defense because if they can't stop opposing offenses, it's going to put a lot of pressure again on Josh Allen and the Bills offense. So the Bills better make this season count because I don't know what could possibly happen in the next offseason. So that was a wrap on the AFC East and my thoughts on all four teams in that division. Like I said, Pretty competitive uh, when you look at the grand scheme of things. Um, sure, the Jets will probably end up being the worst one, but I think they're going to be a fighter. The Miami Dolphins have a lot of question marks around their quarterback. Uh, the New England Patriots have some uh, questions about almost every position, um, and they might be taking a little bit of a step back. And for the Bills, everything um, depends on how their defense is going to do. I mean, there's no questions asked about Josh Allen, Everything depends on how well they do with their defense. So what do you guys think about every team in the AFC East? How well do you think that they're going to do in 2022? Let me know your thoughts about the New York Jets, the Miami Dolphins, the New England Patriots, and the Buffalo Bills. Sound off whether it's on YouTube or on social media at Very Cold Lasagna. But that is it for this episode of Very Cold Lasagna. We have one last division to cover in our final NFL season preview 2022 episode and that is of course the wild wild AFC West that'll be next time here on Very Cold Lasagna thank you for tuning in to episode 111 of this icy yet spicy podcast make sure you tune in wherever you get your podcast and follow the show on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Very Cold Lasagna and as always keep that lasagna very cold in the fridge with your takes on the world of pro wrestling and sports And until next time, peace out.